Well, friends, we're back in the Gospel of Mark. I invite you to turn there with me to Mark chapter 2. And we're going to read beginning in verse 23 all the way through chapter 3, verse 6. Now I'll read this for us. It's the word of the Lord. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain, and the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Again he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. And he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out immediately and held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, help me now as I preach uh, to only preach your words and not my own. I pray that we would be attentive to your word this morning to come and learn at your feet. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Well, if you haven't noticed yet, uh, it's Christmas time. (laughs) Every store is full of Christmas things. It is that time of year again. It's right around the corner. And that means that it's time to start Christmas shopping for all those presents. I remember one of my favorite presents to get as a kid were Legos. Ask for Legos every single year. And that's why I was really excited when they made that Lego movie. Do you remember that movie? The Lego movie. It feels like it only came out a few years ago, but I had to look it up. It actually came out in 2014. That's almost 10 years ago, which feels like it should be illegal that it was so long ago. I can't believe just how old I'm getting. But I remember, I remember that movie. I was so excited to see it just because it was Legos, but then you go see it, and it's actually a really, really good movie. And it has a great moral to the story as well. The message of the movie is wonderful. If you haven't seen it, You're in a Lego world, a Lego cartoon world with all kinds of fun characters, but there's an evil villain. His name's Lord Business. He wants to destroy all the fun in this Lego world. But it turns out that the cartoon world, it just mirrors the real world. In fact, this cartoon city is a real Lego city that was built by Will Ferrell's character, 
Uh, he's the stuffy, suited businessman. And he owns all these Legos. And Lego is his hobby. And you can't play with his Legos. You can only use his Legos according to his rules. You can only use them according to his terms. So he has this vast, sprawling city built in his basement, all these towers, coffee shops, all the mini figurines are doing their mini business activities. Everything's perfectly in order. But Will's character, he has a son, and his son wants to play with the Legos. He's forbidden to play with them, but he still sneaks down and he starts building and messing with his dad's uh, pristine structure. And so now this perfect cityscape is full of, of spaceships and aliens and explosions and all of these things. And at first his dad is furious. But then he realizes that he's been missing the entire point of Legos completely. That instead of it being some uh, hobby just for himself, he could have been using them with his son to play together. And that's the moral of that story, that, mu that movie. Legos are for enjoyment. They're for fun. They're not de designed to, uh, uh, just for this uh, stuffed suit businessman dad, they're not designed to be a lifeless collector's hobby surrounded by a bunch of rules, but they were made to be played with. Maybe you see where I'm going with this already. This somewhat silly example demonstrates the deeper truth about our topic this morning. You see, in much the same way, Sabbaths, like Legos, are meant to be enjoyed. They were meant for our good. Not to be a tool to be wielded, wielded against others, not to be a burden that we lay upon each other with a bunch of lifeless regulations. That's not the point. But it's a gift of God's grace to us for our good, for our benefit. And that's what this passage is all about. That the Sabbath was made for man. That's what it's all about. But before we jump into that, there's two quick things I want to cover. Two brief points of note. And the first is this question about the high priest. So Jesus, he references a story from 1 Samuel chapter 21, where David and his men go and eat the bread of the presence that's only lawful for the priests to eat. But it's unclear why it's recorded that Jesus mentions Abiathar when it was actually his father, Ahimelech, who was the priest at the time of 1 Samuel chapter 21. Abiathar was the high priest who supported and served David. And since he was the more prominent of the high priest over his father during the lifetime of David, that's why it says here that it was in the time of Abiathar. We do a similar thing whenever we might say that Bill Clinton was the president during the 90s and George W. Bush was president during the 2000s. We say that even though Clinton's presidency started in 93 and ended in 2001 when Bush took over, and his presidency didn't last the entirety of the 2000s either, but we refer to that as shorthand. And so this is the same thing that's happening here. So I wanted to note that, far from being any mistake or a cause for confusion, this is what's happening right here. The second thing I wanted to say at the outset, by way of extended introduction, 
to our topic this morning is that this topic can be controversial, can it not? And if it is, that's only because that it always was controversial. And that's why we see at the end of this passage how the Pharisees and the Herodians immediately went out and started plotting together what they were going to do about this Jesus guy. These two groups that so hated each other were actually uh, now joining together. It's almost impossible to believe the Herodians, loyal to Herod Antipas, loyal to the Roman uh, rule, and the Pharisees who had no love for that. And we saw in previous weeks what the Pharisees thought about the tax collectors and all those others who were employed by Herod who served the Romans. Yet now they're teaming up. Seems impossible but it's because of the threat of Jesus and his teaching, because Jesus' teaching truly is revolutionary. And so these hostile enemies become allies. And this kind of topic, it can bring about similar feelings. So it's not my desire at all this morning to be controversial. My desire simply is to preach God's word, to preach the whole counsel of God. That is my aim this morning. And just as Jesus, he does not answer every possible uh, question or every possible scenario, he gives the foundational principle that undergirds all of it. And that's what we want to do this morning as well. We don't have time to go through every possible scenario about the Sabbath. Even if we were to do that, even if we had the time to do that, we'd still be missing the bigger picture. We'd miss the point completely. That this is not about a bunch of do's and don'ts. This is about God's grace that he gives us in all of life, and that includes the Sabbath. This is the main point of the sermon, exactly the same thing that Jesus says himself. This is the main idea, that the Sabbath was made for man. That's it. The Sabbath was made for man. Legos were made to have fun with. The Sabbath was made for man not the other way around. And so in order to drive this idea home, I want to look at three things from this passage, three things that will help us understand it. First, the existence of the Sabbath. Secondly, the purpose for the Sabbath. And finally, the practice of the Sabbath. Those three things, the existence, the purpose, and the practice. First thing is that the Sabbath, it exists today. This is an absolutely crucial thing we have to see right away. Maybe it seems obvious to you, to you maybe, maybe it doesn't, but no matter who we are, who it is, we all want to immediately jump to the do's and don'ts. We immediately want to jump to just tell me what I'm supposed to do. You may be thinking, just tell me what it is that I can and cannot do on Sundays. Just give me the list. Tell me that I'm not supposed to watch football so I can feel guilty for a few days. Just let's get it over with. This is where our mind goes immediately. But if that's our starting point, we're missing the bigger picture. The first question we have to ask is does the Sabbath exist at all? And if the answer is no, then great, we're golden. There's, we don't have to discuss it anymore. 
If the Sabbath was something Israel did in the Old Covenant, but that's been done away with, and that's the end of the sermon, and we can move on. But if the answer is yes, that the Sabbath still exists, then more questions follow after that. And that's why it's so important to start right here. And so notice what Jesus does not say. In response to the question about His disciples plucking and eating grain, What does Jesus not say? He doesn't tell them, don't you guys know that the Sabbath is being done away with? He doesn't say that was part of the old, but the new has come. That was strictly old, the new is here. He doesn't say that. Rather than demolishing and completely uh, getting rid of the Sabbath in its entirety, Jesus actually establishes the Sabbath even more firmly, and yet reorients us to its true purpose. He tells the Pharisees and their laundry list of all their do's and don'ts that they've missed the purpose of the Sabbath completely because the Sabbath was made for man. Man was not made for the Sabbath. It was made for man's benefit. It was made for our enjoyment, for our good not the other way around. And so in saying this, Jesus is saying, yes, the Sabbath is very much still a part of the new covenant life, the Christian's life today. And now you might be wondering, well, if that is the case, then, then why are we here on Sunday? Why, if the Sabbath is still uh, in force, and why do we not observe it on Saturday, as was the case then? And certainly there are some groups that try to insist and to, to uh, go back to uh, keeping the Sabbath on, on Saturday. But why, why do we not do this? I think it's helpful to consider that because it also points us to the gospel and the gospel message as well. And it's simply this. It's because Christ was raised on the first day. He was raised on Sunday, the first day of the week. And our gathering on Sunday in its most simple form, is recognition and worship of the risen Lord. We are remembering that Christ, He is not dead, but He is alive. And so we gather on that day. And it makes sense then that everywhere in the New Testament we see the early church, they are gathering on Sunday, on the first day of the week. It's the day that Christ rose from the dead. It is the day now claimed for Him. It is the Lord's day. And here's the picture of the gospel in it. In the Old Covenant, the pattern for them was working six days and resting on one day. But in the New Covenant, the pattern is now shifted. Instead of working on the first day of the week, that day is now a day of rest because we rest in the finished work of Christ So instead of working six days and then resting one, we rest on the first day. We rest for one. And only then, after being refreshed, after being renewed, after being rejuvenated, reinvigorated, then we are sent out into the rest of the week, the next six days, to work and do whatever we have that we're called to do. So the fulfillment of the Sabbath is not in its abrogation. It's not... Uh, annulled, it's not done away with, but the shifting of the perspective 
is what's happening here. It's the, the perspective changes from working for rest to one of resting in God's work for us. The Sabbath then, it continues to exist and it is a day of rest for God's people. That leads us right into the second thing we want to consider. The Sabbath, the Sabbath exists that ultimately leads us to the next question, well, what is the Sabbath for then? What is the purpose of the Sabbath? We've already seen that one of the reasons, one of the, the purposes for the Sabbath is rest. The Sabbath is for enjoying rest. And by that, we mean true rest. Real. Not, not this fake rest. It's not for lounging. It's not for being a couch potato. It's not for a day full of mind-numbing and mindless consumption of, of food and TV and whatever it might be. Because that's truly not restful. In the same way that uh, food that's full of sugar, uh, that's, that's full of empty calories, it can taste so good to us, but it doesn't nourish us. It truly is no good for us. This is what all this, this fake rest, so this mindlessness, that it can leave us feeling numb instead of feeling well rested. It is the true rest that is reinvigorating. That's the rest that we need. The refreshing of the whole mind, the whole body, mind, body, soul, the whole person. And this is the kind of rest that we can only find in God. We won't believe that is the case until we truly believe that the Sabbath was made for mankind. It was made for you, for your good. And that's why we all need to have that kind of conversation. So the Sabbath exists. So we need to have that conversation with God. To ask ourselves, is what I consume, is how I spend my time on Sunday, is it truly to my benefit? Or am I pursuing worldly pleasures that offer no substance? Am I making the best use of this wonderful day that God has given me, that He's set apart for my benefit, for my good? Do I truly believe that? Those are the questions we need to ask because the Sabbath exists. It was given to us by God. And it was given to us for pure and true rest. We get this uh, picture of this kind of rest from Psalm 73. Psalm 73. In this psalm, Asaph, he's wrestling as he walks around the world. He's struggling to understand. He's searching for true rest himself. He confesses that he had been stumbling. He'd almost completely lost his way because he was growing envious of those in the world who had absolutely no regard for God whatsoever, yet seemed to be doing pretty well in life. Everywhere he looked, everywhere on social media he looked, people were having a great time. They were more successful than him, their kids were better well-behaved, their marriages were stronger, uh, they had more things going on, they were in better shape. Uh, all of those things are true, and the cherry on top of it all is that none of them were even Christians. None of them had anything to do with God. Asaph, though, he's trying to do all the right things. He was trying to follow God, yet he didn't have any of the worldly pleasures. He was, like, uh, like all these other people had, he didn't have a single a thing like they did. And so Asaph says, all in vain have I kept my heart clean. God, was it all in vain? that I sought to obey your will. 
Was it all for nothing? Was dedicating my life to serving you, was it pointless? Is this whole church thing, is this whole Christian thing, is it even worth it at all? Have you ever asked yourself those kinds of questions? Maybe I can be honest with you this morning and tell you that I've asked those questions. On my dark days, I maybe still wonder. I still have doubts. But I think it's okay to have doubts, and I think God is okay with those because He's given us and inspired in His own uh, very own word, Asaph, asking and wrestling with these doubts himself. But not only that, we get the great answer to these doubts in the same psalm. And so Asaph says in Psalm 73, verse 16, But when I thought how to understand this, the world around him, everything that's going on, when I sought to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. Christian, if you are weary of the world, if you don't know how to make sense of things, that's ultimately because you don't belong here. We don't truly belong here. This is not our home, but we belong with God, and it's only when we enter into His presence, especially when we do so in the sanctuary of God, enter into His presence. That's what Asaph's talking about here. That is where we find understanding. And that is what the Sabbath is set apart for us to do. Six days of the week we are out in the world. And we are endlessly, relentlessly getting, uh, getting uh, pestered. And, and all kinds of nonsense is filling our minds. We're bombarded on every side. There's all kinds of wickedness. There's sexual perversion. There's greed and envy and all sorts of things that the world is telling us. All kinds of mes- messages that we're getting. But on Sunday... The one day out of seven, God gives us this gospel reset, as it were. He reorients our hearts and our minds to what is true, to what is beautiful, to what's eternal, to what's lasting, to what is good. He reminds us that the pleasures of this world are fleeting, so we are not to grow envious of them, but rather to set our minds on Christ and His riches. To be like Asaph, who, who praises and praises God and praises this. He says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire beside you. If there is nothing on earth that you desire, if there's nothing on earth that you could possibly need other than Christ, then that truly frees Sunday for you to be a day of rest. A day of rest from all the endless striving, all the seeking, after all the longing after something that we don't have, we don't need to do that anymore because we have Christ. So Sundays are a day for resting, true resting. Sundays are also a day for doing good. We see this clearly from Jesus' own example. He heals this man on the Sabbath. That's why he references that passage from 1 Samuel, that, that episode of David. It was not lawful, technically speaking, not lawful for David and his men to eat the bread of the presence. Only the, the priests would eat that. It was consecrated and set apart. But it's given to David. And what we need to understand is that by giving the bread to David, the priest was not contradicting the law. Neither was the priest just kind of 
putting the law aside for a second and, and winking and not, not thinking about it, we'll just let this one slide. That's not what he was doing. But rather, in giving the bread to David and his men who needed it, the law and the purpose of the law was being fulfilled. That's what we must understand. The law of the Lord is good. And it is for our good. And in the same way, Jesus, the Son of Man, He's the new and better David. He is the Lord even of the Sabbath. And so He alone has a right to determine what the Sabbath's purpose is and how it should be done. The purpose for which it was created. And He declares that it was made for man, not the other way around. And so we were not made for this endless list of rules and regulations as the Pharisees had developed. Rick Phillips, in his commentary on 1 Samuel, uh, he, he says this, that our Lord's reference to this passage should inform our Sabbath observance today and warn us against excessive rules that make the Lord's day a burden. Do you hear that? It's not for excessive rules. It is not meant to be a burden. Another commentator, he rightly points out that the Sabbath was given to man to meet his needs like this man with a withered hand, to meet his needs and to bring him special blessing, not to restrict his life and reduce him to a rule-keeping robot. You are not meant, you are not created to be a rule-keeping robot. God did not give you the Sabbath so that you would follow an endless list of rules and regulations, but he gave it to you to cherish because it's for your good. The Sabbath was made for man. So we see this man in the withered hand in our story. And the question is, well, he couldn't heal him on the Sabbath. That's, that's doing work. But what Jesus is saying is, no, there's no better day to heal this man than on the Sabbath. Because he was created to have the rest that God had created him uh, for. So let me heal him so that he can actually enter into that rest. Let me do good to him. In doing so, that's fulfilling the purpose of the Sabbath. So the Sabbath, uh, both of these things, we see them both, doing good and resting. Uh, all of these things, absolutely wonderful things to be doing on the Lord's day. And all of these things, they ultimately point us back to Christ. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. He has done the work for us so that we might rest in Him. And resting, uh, our resting in this life, it reminds us ultimately of that perfect rest that is to come when Christ returns, when He makes all things new, and we enter into His rest fully. So, we've considered that the Sabbath day exists for the New Testament believers, like you and me. We've talked about and considered the purpose of the Sabbath, that it's a day of true rest, that it's a day of doing good and enjoying that rest with one another. That is the fundamental, foundational principle. But it doesn't answer every single question that we might have. And even if we had the time, we, we couldn't go through every single scenario, but I do want to leave us with some principles that we can take with us to help us answer some of those kinds of questions. So that's what we'll consider. We'll end with this this morning. The practice of the Sabbath. 
So everything we've talked about so far, if that's true, then what does that mean for me? How am I to live? How can I practice these principles in my life? Dr. Guy Waters, he wrote a very helpful book, a short book, called The Sabbath as Rest and Hope for the People of God. And in that book, he lists several practical steps and helpful things that we can consider as we think about this question to help put the biblical principles of the Sabbath into practice. And the first is very straightforward. First practical step is that we should guard our Sundays. We should guard these days. To guard it. To not let it become just another day for catching up on whatever it might be. But God has given us a day to be used for reinvigorating rest and refreshing worship as we come into communion with the living and true God. So use this day for worshiping Him. Worshiping the holy God who can reset your perspective with the gospel of pure grace. Find time for fellowship and hospitality. Make use of the evening gathering. You can come in the evenings and you can be prayed for by dear saints. Like Rosemary. Prayed for by Bruce and Carmen. Prayed for by Sarah Neat, by so many others. You can come and you can fellowship with them and be prayed for by them and it's all free that's the best deal you're ever going to find it's wonderful make use of those opportunities guard that day set it apart so that it can truly be a day of enjoyment and rest if that means uh, doing this then then buy those groceries and have them already bought have the car filled up with gas have the kids homework all be done whatever it might be so that You can actually enjoy that Sunday afternoon nap. So you can actually have rest on that day. This day was given for your benefit. And so cherish it. Another practical step, and this is so important, is we have to avoid the twin errors. There's twin errors that we can make of extreme permissiveness on one side and the pharisaical regulations on the other. We can say that this doesn't matter at all, that Sunday is just like any other day. It doesn't matter what I do. The other extreme, though, is that we can start making that list of do's and don'ts that can suck the joy out of the day. And the answer to these two is not to find the perfect healthy balance between them. That's not the answer. Both of these are poisonous. The answer is God's grace. The answer is seeing that God has given the Sabbath for your benefit. So it's not just any other day without nothing special about it. It's not just uh, a day that is an uh, endless list of rules that if you do not follow all of them to the T, then you're a sinner and you're sinning. That's not what it is. But rather... We need to understand that the Sabbath was made in order to be a delight to you. And that's the third practical thing. This third practical step is understanding and believing that this day is truly a day for spiritual refreshment, for your spiritual benefit. And so earnestly seeking after those things on this day. 
The Sabbath was made for man. All the more reason to take it seriously because it was for you, because it's God's gift. God gave it to you. Christmas is coming up. November means that next month is December. And every year, I wonder to myself, is this the year I'm too old to ask for Legos? And the answer is always the same. Well, maybe next year I'll be too old. No, I'm actually very boring. I usually only ask for books. (laughs) But think about those gifts that you get. And kids, you think about those gifts that you're already asking for. How do you know that the gift that's been given, that they really love it, that they take it seriously? Right? You, you can't wait to use it. You got the Lego set and you got the pair of socks. All right? Which one, after Christmas is over, which one are you opening up right away? And don't say socks. I, I know that you're lying. You're just trying to be funny. You love that gift. You can't wait to use it. You can't wait to open it up and get all the benefit and joy from it. That is the Sabbath that has been given to you. It is God's gift for you. So use the gift of God's Sabbath for your own good, for the good of your family, and find the joy that comes from it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would forgive us for not taking as seriously this incredible gift of the Sabbath that you have given to us. At the same time, we pray that you would give us the eyes to see truly the gift for what it is. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that in you we find true Sabbath rest. And may we continue to seek after you today and every day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.